0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com.
1: We know what it means to see and hear. We know more than we know anything what our inner experience feels like. Now, how is it possible that that inner experience is literally clumps of brain cells? They're flowing chemicals and electrical impulses. The two things, inner experience and brain cells, seem so radically different. So, what is it about the brain that enables scientists to claim that they can explain the mind? The issue torments my soul, if I have one. Can brain explain mind? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. For proper biologists, it used to be that studying the mind, or consciousness, was off limits, outside the scope of real science. They could tackle brain function, of course, but mind, well, no. That was too loose, airy, too philosophical. Professor Christoph Koch takes consciousness seriously. He seeks what he calls the neural correlates of consciousness. We meet in his lab at Caltech. Christoph, many non scientists think that consciousness cannot be explained by brain function. You talk about the neural
2: correlates of consciousness. What exactly does that mean? People, let's see, in the West since 2,300 years, at least so, Plato and Aristotle, have wondered about consciousness, and so many people think it's something that can't be addressed by science. I think nothing is further from the truth. We've decided, okay, let's not worry about these endless philosophical debates, and let's avoid that by focusing on something that almost everybody, no matter where they fall on the ideological divide, can agree on and that is the correlates of consciousness in the brain. What we mean by that, there will be parts of your brain that correlate with any one specific conscious thought or memory or intention or belief. So when I feel me, when I feel sad, when I, I have a toothache, all of those different conscious states, there will be correlates. We can ask which circuits in which particular part of the brain is necessary for this specific conscious uh, sensation, with which molecules, which synapses, which axons, which wires, what happens in sleep, what happens in dreaming, what happens under anesthesia when the person is put, um, is put asleep, what happens in coma.
1: You are careful to distinguish between correlation and cause.
2: Yeah, for, for several reasons. When you talk about causes, then you're taking a position and you're really saying, well, this is what causes this rather than this is what correlates with. And then you get, what exactly do you mean by causation? So A, at the ontological level, we prefer to stick with, uh, with a more neutral correlation. But you're forcing them to admit that the correlation is absolute. Except with philosophers, you always find people who disagree. So there are some people who say the entire project of finding causes or correlates of consciousness in the brain sort of is doomed. You're not gonna find anything interested. And consciousness, it's not only in the brain, it's not only in the body, but it's it's the entire interaction of the living brain with a living organ in its surround and you can't loca- localize consciousness to any one component. But still they have to admit that what you're seeing is, is correlated to whatever the,
1: uh, the specific uh, the conscious event is.
2: Yes, yeah, so I guess what they would say, yes, it's correlated, but so do many other things correlate with consciousness and this isn't going to help you <laughs> that much. While well, we think the project is to find ever more precise correlates, to ever make that, mm. that relationship between conscious perception in your head and, and some brain states ever more and more precise. So ultimately we we can begin to do this in a very crude way. We can put electrode in a patient and then you can stimulate. This allows us to ever more precisely pinpoint consciousness to specific neuronal populations in the brain.
1: Christoph has made the neural correlates of consciousness serious science by discovering what's happening in the brain in real time when subjective experiences are sensed or felt. When I did my doctorate in brain research 40 years ago, it's what I dreamed of. But correlation is not cause. And the correlations thus far describe specific sensations. Can we get a full theory of mind or consciousness? Sticking still with pure, biology. Rodolfo Linus has a full theory. He explains the swirl of consciousness by swirling circuits in the brain. Rodolfo's a leading brain scientist from Bogota, Colombia. He's chairman of physiology and neuroscience at New York University. We meet in Bellevue Hospital.
3: What do we know about consciousness from a brain point of view? Yes. Can we relate what we know about the function of the brain with the existence of consciousness? And the first thing that happens is that we immediately remember that we exist as human beings in two enormously different states states of being awake and states of being asleep. Everybody sleeps. (laughs) If you don't sleep, you die. Okay. Now, once something wonderful happens, when you sleep, you disappear. Your brain doesn't always create you. You are one functional state of your brain, which we call being awake. Okay, so if you were to say, well, "Now, what is the difference between being awake and being asleep?" and this this tell us something about the nature of consciousness? The answer is yes, it does, and the answer is beautiful. The thalamus and the cortex, the thalamus is a central nucleus inside the head that connects to the cortex. The cortex is a huge area of, of nervous system that goes back to the... So we have this circular event uh, that is continuously going on. So it's not like the thalamus is, is fires every, every if so often when the stimulus comes in. It's always going on. I think of it as a vortex, mm-hmm. something that is continuously like your heart. It never stops for as long as you live. The brain is never quiet.
1: Okay. So there's this is circuitry It's so.
3: a circuit. It circuits the thalamus to the cortex, the cortex to the thalamus, and so on. And the frequency tells you whether you exist or not.
1: <laughs>
3: it is that beautiful, and it is almost, if you wish, pardon me, that simple. So if, you've, if your rhythms are slow, you don't exist. There is no consciousness. So what is it that's happening with your conscious? You're actually allowing certain areas of the cortex to be active and others to be non-active.
1: No. Now you call this a, a mindness, a mindness state. Mindness. So, How do you so, get so, this?
3: so What happens is when you correlate what's happening in animals or in us, you find that this state is the state in which mind is generated. If you could remove the bone and actually see the brain looking at it, you will say, aha! I see what you're thinking. You can see it electrically. And then you can indeed see that, yes, the, the, the granularity increases. So conscious state is a state of high granularity in the functioning of the thalamocortical system. Definition. No problem.
4: Okay. okay. How does right. that help
3: right. to right. put the, the whole things together? Right. Well, the visual system and the auditory system and so on have the same granularity and have the same rhythm. So you can superimpose now.
1: So you get a binding. You, you get, a get a binding, but it's a
3: dynamic binding because there's coherence in this particular
1: topic. So you have a temporal coherence with similar frequencies that bring different modalities, sight, sound, other other things together, memories that get a binding into one That's conscious right. entity. So so
3: this vortex, this continuous is me, is you. So I have a book called I eye of the vortex, and that is how the system works. This vortex, this dynamic process, that this celebration that we call consciousness is in fact a dynamic property of the anatomy of the system.
1: Eye of the vortex. To Rodolfo, this is consciousness. The continuous electrical circuitry between the thalamus in the center of the brain and the cerebral cortex that covers the brain. This is how consciousness works and what consciousness is. Can it be that simple? Before I inquire of philosophers, I must ask whether mind or consciousness can exist outside of biological brains. My question, how can brain explain mind, gets more complex for highly advanced machines, or as futurist and visionary Ray Kurzweil puts it, non-biological intelligences. I meet Ray in his office in Boston. I think
5: fundamentally consciousness is its own sense of our, of our own awareness and is a synonym for subjectivity. And science is a synonym for objective observation and then making deductions from there. And there's a gulf between objective observation and subjective experience. We really can't objectively assess the subjective experience of another entity. We may look at an entity and look inside its brain, which may be biological, or non-biological. We may see that it's building models of its own experience. It may be making decisions just like w- the way a human does. It may have these feedback loops. But is, it, is that just a simulation of a human being? Is it really having a conscious experience or is it just some automatic process? Now, we just assume that other humans, that are acting conscious are conscious, but that's just an assumption. That actually breaks down when we talk about animals. Some people assume, well, animals aren't conscious. They're just acting by instinct, which is some primitive machine-like uh, mechanism. And other people feel that animals are conscious. We'll have this when it comes to machines. Now, we don't yet have machines that appear to be conscious. That you, know, you may meet a virtual person in a video game that says, I'm angry or I'm happy. They don't yet have the subtle, cues that we really convince us that they're really uh, experiencing these feelings. My prediction is w- that these entities will be so sophisticated and so subtle and will have the same complexity as human beings. In fact, will be based on reverse engineering the human brain that when they say, I'm happy or I'm jealous, they really will have those subtle cues and we will believe them because they really will be acting just with the same subtlety as human beings. Are they really conscious? Some people who assume that no, you have to be biological will say no, other people will say yes, I think
1: we'll be convinced by them. And if you accuse that system of being not conscious, it may get mad at you.
5: It'll get mad at us and and it'll be very smart and it'll make us feel bad and it'll convince us that it's conscious. But if you talk about fundamentally, philosophically, there's no way to prove that it's conscious. Some people say, well, it's just a machine and therefore it's just a simulation and a simulation isn't reality and so that's a philosophical issue. Is there a difference between a true simulation that captures every essence, every aspect of a of a process and the real thing? So we can certainly study a lot of issues with how the brain is processing emotion and and these different feelings, but fundamentally we can't really grasp the essence of consciousness as a scientific subject because there's this gap between subjective experience and objective observation.
1: Ultimately, says Ray, machines will appear to be conscious. Every test of consciousness, they will pass. There will be no way to tell the difference between a machine and a human. But are these non-biological intelligences really conscious, with inner subjective experiences in their own private insides? We can never know, says Ray, and I think he is right. A true consciousness detector is, in principle, impossible. This chills my spine. What, then, is mind? I've hit the limit in science. I turn to philosophy. When I think of philosophy of mind, I think of John Searle. John's a professor at Berkeley, and he follows the facts wherever they lead.
0: I call my view a biological naturalism because it says the mind is a biological phenomenon, and it's part of nature. The materialist says physical reality is all reality there is. It's all physical particles and fields of force. The dualist says there is a part of reality that's irreducibly mental, and I want to preserve both of those. Now, how do you do that? Well, step number one is you take the brain seriously after you've first established that consciousness really exists. There are some people who try to deny the existence of consciousness, but that won't work. Because the way that we typically get rid of things in science is by showing that there's an illusion of color, an illusion of solidity, an illusion of liquidity, but it reduced to something else. But that won't work for consciousness. Because where consciousness is concerned, the illusion is the reality. If it consciously seems to me that I'm conscious, then I am conscious. All
1: right. Number one, we accept consciousness as as real.
0: As real and irreducible. Now, step two is you start to ask, well, uh, like anything else in biology, what causes it, conscious, states are caused by neuronal processes okay. step 2 all of these conscious states everything is realized in the brain it's all going on in the brain in a certain piece of neuronal architecture and and this runs counter to a whole tradition we have of discussing these things that say consciousness can't have a spatial location mm-hmm. but we know in fact that it does and with current imaging techniques we're actually able to discover where certain conscious processes go so on so does that
1: mean like step- step three then says that consciousness is a function of of the higher brain systems, that these brain systems that you can see light up in these images. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That is, you see, if you go through these steps, it's real it's caused by brain processes, then what you're going to find is that the brain processes that cause specific conscious states are likely to be architecturally specific to certain parts of the brain. Okay, so what's it do? It functions causally. I have a thought in my brain, and guess what? It produces uh, words coming out of my mouth. I have these intentions to answer Robert's questions, and this actually causes behavior. So there isn't any question, if we just look at the facts now and forget about the philosophical tradition that consciousness functions causally in producing behavior. Think of it as an ordinary biological process that happens to go on in the brain in the way that digestion happens to go on
1: in the, in the, in the stomach and the rest of the digestive tract. Here's the problem I have with the consciousness digestion analogy. Consciousness is not like digestion. Maybe the perception of vision is like the digestion. Maybe the hormonal systems are like digestion. A lot of things are like digestion, not consciousness.
0: Yeah. Well, all analogies break down somewhere. And there is a disanalogy between consciousness and digestion. And that is, in an ordinary sense, once we get a complete knowledge of the causal structure of digestion, we do an ontological reduction. We say digestion is nothing but all of these processes. But you can't do that with consciousness because consciousness has this subjective or first-person ontology. Its mode of existence is to exist only when it's consciously experienced by a human or animal subject. And you can't get rid of that. So So typically, a a causal reduction leads to an ontological reduction. In the case of consciousness, you get a causal reduction, but no ontological reduction. Consciousness is special because it's the only thing we know in the universe that has this subjective or first-person ontology. But that's just how nature turned out. My slogan is always don't say anything. That's obviously false (laughs) It's obviously false to say that consciousness doesn't exist. It's obviously false to say there's nothing there But third-person objective properties it is essentially qualitative and subjective But it's false to say therefore it's not part of the physical world of course It's part of the physical biological universe, but it is special it has this unique feature of ontological subjectivity, and that's how nature turned out. We can't pretend that didn't happen. That's just the way the world works.
1: To John, consciousness is real and irreducible, caused by brain processes, realized in the brain, and functions causally. But if John is right, I'm troubled because consciousness would then be the only thing in the universe that is causally reduced to brain function, but not ontologically reduced. Mind as caused entirely by brain, but not existing as brain, can cause and existence be so radically different? What's going on here? I need something more. David Chalmers, an Australian philosopher of mind, has something more. For decades, there had been a progressive demystification of consciousness. Then, Along came Dave. Dave,
4: how do you see the brain becoming conscious? I think we need to distinguish between the project of finding neural correlates of consciousness and neural explanations of consciousness. So right now, the science is developing really very fast and in exciting ways, narrowing down the neural correlates. We find out that certain cells in your inferior temporal cortex are firing when you're conscious of certain images. Visually, and we might eventually be able to find a massive covariation between the two, but nothing there yet is providing anything like an explanation of why we're conscious. Well, we're beginning to see some very sophisticated things. We, we, we see cells that react if my
1: hand is this way and don't react if it's this way, mirror neurons that, that will look like I'm doing something when I watch somebody else doing something. It, it, it seems irrational to have so detailed correlation and, and one
4: not being the cause of the other? Maybe one is the cause of the other. Maybe the brain is the cause of consciousness. But cause and effect are different things. My hand hits my other hand. One thing caused the other thing. They're two different things. If my brain causes my consciousness, then consciousness is something distinct from the brain. The materialist view, the reductionist view, is that all there is to consciousness is the brain. That requires something much stronger than correlation. That requires sort of identification, saying there's just one thing here, not two. But this study of correlations, it's always correlation between two different separately observed things. We observe the brain and we observe our state of consciousness. So everything we've seen so far is completely consistent with there being two different things here. And we haven't yet got anything like the kind of explanation that would unify them into one phenomenon.
1: Maybe consciousness emerged as some uh uh... add-on phenomena at some point that got selected for in the process and to say why it happened is the same thing to ask is is why aren't the the planetary uh, the
4: cycles uh, uh... perfectly round well there are some things in science that we don't have to explain those are the fundamental laws and at a certain point explanation stops those things have to be taken as a brute if that's what we have to do for consciousness if we have to take this fact that brain processes and consciousness go together as a brute fact in the same way, then all I say is we should take the same attitude towards it as we take in physics. We should acknowledge that as a fundamental law, not to be further explained. So I think that what we get out of all these experiments is a better and better understanding of the laws that connect consciousness with the underlying processes in the physical brain. But nothing about this shows that that's all that consciousness is. Why should any of that stuff be accompanied by subjective experience? You can know about all that without knowing what it's like to see red, what it's like to fall in love. That's a principled gap. It's not just a matter of how much neuroscience we know now. Now, could there be an utterly amazing scientific or philosophical revolution that so far none of us can yet contemplate? Sure, I can't rule it out, but we've just got to do the best we can for now.
1: To Dave, no matter how much neuroscience we learn, we will never explain consciousness. No matter how good the correlations of brain to mind, they could never literally be mind. There is something extra in consciousness which can never be explained by anything physical, chemical, or biological. Dave gives me what I need, but what I need may be a friend that's false. Most scientists explain mental activity in the purely physical terms of brain function, while others contend that consciousness must be more, and they suspect unknown, radically new kinds of laws. Still others wonder anew if mind has existence beyond the brain, and is a wholly different kind of stuff. Can neuroscience explain consciousness, reducing mind to brain? Or does mind maintain an independent existence, an irreducible element of reality? Of only this, I am really sure. The choice is stark mind is only brain versus mind is more than brain. And the choice leads us closer to truth.
0: To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and God, visit our website, closertotruth.com.